organizations have workflows that are custom to their business that they do on a repeated basis, right? And so building a prompt that, you know, anyone in the organization can use to get the optimal output, right, is sort of that one-step workflow. Building in those really advanced prompts is step one. I think step two is also augmenting it with your data, which you, you know, vectorize and use enterprise data as context. Those two things can produce an amazing output that greatly, you know, increases the accuracy for an enterprise. Welcome to the Search and Succeed podcast. I'm Rob Glass, Managing Partner of Hunston Partners. We are so fortunate to share many journeys with some exceptional people throughout their careers, people whom are thriving in their area of expertise. And on this podcast, we'll be chatting with them about how they perceive and strive for success within their industry and their life. I hope you enjoy. excited about this podcast once again we're with brett greenstein who's a great friend of the podcast what with this being his third appearance and we love having brett as a guest not only due to his incredible knowledge and experience as he's a senior partner at pwc and data and ai but also because he's generally a great guy who we learn so much from every time we speak and when brett recommended that we should invite justin feinberg It spoke volumes about Justin. Justin is the CEO of Cassidy. He's an AI thought leader with a social media following of over 350,000 people. And his amazing tutorials have amassed over 50 million views. He's helped hundreds of businesses develop and implement their AI strategies and has wonderful, unique ideas, which we'll discuss today. I'm excited to talk with Brett and Justin about the impact of AI on organizations, large and small, and on people. And just delighted that they're on the Search and Succeed podcast. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure to be sat here with you both. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Uh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm keen to get into it. I'm keen to start by asking you both about where generative AI is right now and how organizations have taken to this wave of thinking, the way they're acting, the ideas that they're able to adopt. Is it being welcomed with open arms? Uh, open arms, yes. I think uh, there's a tremendous fear of missing out. Everyone wants to make sure they're not missing a step. And they're worried about the increasing sort of AI chasm or gap between the people who've started and those who haven't. They're very worried about falling behind. And I also think that there's enough examples now of real production outcomes that you have a weird moment where there's both hype and value creation at the same time. And no one's really used to that happening in such a compressed cycle. There's tons of noise, tons of excitement and hype. But there's actually people doing really important, impactful transformations and outcomes. And so we have to help people sort through all that. I totally agree there. There's really no no one who saw the, you know, the power of ChatGPT, you know, at the beginning of this year that didn't see and have the kind of the realization of how powerful this technology is. So I think every business out there is, you know, excited by the potential, but there is still a lot of confusion on what does it look like to actually implement. AI into their business. So a lot of work to be done. I just want to kind of like keep going on that for a second. Sometimes you're talking to people who are very advanced. They have dedicated environments and teams and they're building really important things. 
And then there's other people who think they know it, but then they're just excited when you show them how to write a poem with it. Like, I, I think the wide range of understanding is so broad, in part because people can use the public instance and they don't mentally extrapolate to the business applications of it. So if you leave it at the public instance, you think it's like a really cool app. But if you think about it from how it does business things, handles invoices and payroll and HR and all that stuff, once you see it, you can't unsee it in business. But I think a big part of our job is helping people jump from that consumer experience to that enterprise vision. And then once you have that vision, you can't not see hundreds of use cases in your business. Yeah, totally agree. I think it's also, you know, the fact that we're, there hasn't been enough time for like true AI practical business applications to be built yet. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like when, you know, we had the large language model for a while and then, a, you know, a quick switch in the interface was what obviously unlocked everyone's understanding of what was possible. Um, and now there was mass interest into, hey, how can we actually implement this? But you know, it's only been six months, right? It takes years to build an effective product. And so people can interact with the raw large language model, but it's not actually that useful for a business right off the bat. Like there needs to be technology built. There needs to be services implemented to get it to the place where, you know, it's actually making an impact within a business context. So that's where we're at right now. It's like everyone knows how powerful, but it's just sort of a waiting game because, you know, there's not real solutions in the market yet that I feel like uh, make it super easy to actually deploy this technology in an effective way. I imagine it's a case of some organizations taking, for want of a better phrase, the plunge before others do. And therefore, as you say, creating use cases that then set a standard for what a large organization uh, is able to achieve and also what a smaller organization is able to achieve. Imagine there's big differences between large and small organizations and the adoption of it. How are the larger organizations receiving it, taking it uh, as part of their strategy these days? Or is it still very much in the, uh, the strategy phase for them specifically as to what it is that they're going to be able to implement? Yeah, for large enterprises, it, it jumped past strategy really quickly because large enterprises are terrified of being disrupted by small enterprises that use Gen AI to scale up. And so there's a massive fear of disruption everywhere. Like, and there's a lot of almost install base of manual processes and old ways of doing things that now are going to be disrupted. And so everyone is doing something. And I, I think it's, it's a journey and it's hard because you can't just build the whole thing. And there's no out of the box solution to Justin's point. You cannot just buy this and turn it on. You have to integrate it into your systems, integrate into your ways of working, do the change management around people. But I think everyone re re recognizes there's a shift from POCs and experimentation to the first steps of really production use of this. And so everyone's taking whatever those first no regrets moves are, bringing it in-house, doing the initial use cases, defining architecture and governance principles. Even if it's just four people, the starting steps are important because it grows. It just grows wildly once you start doing it. But if you don't start, you're going to just be falling behind and the gap grows. And that's what makes people nervous. To that point, is it easier for a smaller company to adopt AI generally and to infuse it throughout their organization? I mean, I think to Brett's point, right, it's still, I think if anything, the enterprises are the ones willing to, you know, be able to potentially build their own solutions or, you know, invest heavily into services to kind of custom build, you know, AI into their experiences. I think SMBs right now, you know, smaller businesses, they're not the ones that are, you know, working with you know, PwC necessarily, you know, so they are in a, in a, I think a more difficult position where 
right now they can only interact with sort of a large language model. It's not customized to their business. Um, and I think that actually in this short period right now where we have this lack of actual solutions uh, makes it more difficult in a lot of ways to be able to take full advantage of, of the technology. If you interact with ChatGPT or any other AI tool in the web interface, that's only a fraction of the actual experience that the enterprises are looking at. What they're really doing is building, to Justin's point, solutions that integrate with their data and expose it as an API so they can build it into a workflow. And now you have this sort of infinite workforce of individual things that AI can do, working side by side with people and, pe and a business can go faster or scale in a very different dynamic. It used to be how many people could you hire and train to read invoices and type them to a system. But you can do invoice, you know, do that thing um, almost at an infinite scale using AI. And so now it's work side by side with people. And that's an API experience. That's not people copying and pasting into a chat window. And it creates a different kind of scale and economics for business. It's very exciting. It's just different. And I think it's very hard for a small business to just suddenly build an architecture around APIs and new workflows with this. And, you know, everybody needs help. Exactly. I totally agree. Like we started, we beachhead at this like chat-based interface. And that was like what everyone, you know, opened people's eyes to. But that's not real, you know, automation, right? That's just like one step in the process. Like where the real power comes, I think, Brett, to what you're saying is, the, the AI power workflow, right? It's that, you know, deeply embedding this sort of AI assistant into these more complex end-to-end, -end, you know, uh, workflows that our empl employees are traditionally doing that can now be automated by these sort of AI assistants. I noticed in one of your reels, Justin, that you talked recently about prompt libraries, which sounds super interesting because I imagine that that is something that would just cut down a huge amount of time for organizations, both small, like SMB and the large enterprise. I mean, I also think it's just tip of the iceberg, right? It's just like moving in these direction where like, you know, organizations have workflows that are custom to their business that they do on a repeated basis, right? And so building a prompt that, you know, anyone in the organization can use to get the optimal output, right, is sort of that one-step workflow. But I think it's only the tip of the iceberg. And how do you create these repeatable AI-powered workflows that are just hooked into the organization's tools? That's where I think the real power and magic comes into play. I'm curious, like Brett, what have you seen, you know, in terms of that, you know, for what you guys are doing with a lot of the sort of en enterprise implementation of, of this? I'm just, I'm smiling because I, I feel the same way. And I, so the idea that you can train everyone to be a great prompter is a myth. It's impossible. People still, people can't do a Google search well. So it's just, and that's after decades. So I think the point is the building in those really advanced prompts is step one. I think step two is also augmenting it with your data, which you you know vectorize and use enterprise data as context. So call, think of prompt as intent, the data as context. Those two things can produce an amazing output that greatly you know increases the accuracy for an enterprise because you can use enterprise data, examples, samples, um, previous templates you've used, combine it with a very advanced prompt and repeatedly create great output. And so the end user only has to basically call that we use a plugin architecture in enterprises. So you can imagine a whole ecosystem of plugins, which are pre-trained prompts and embeddings, and sometimes even integrations that help end users do things at scale. And then you put them behind APIs and you can do entire workflows at scale. And I know that's a, that's a really advanced thought, but it's not technically that hard to do. It just requires beginning, taking those beginning steps and then kind of maturing it over time. Bringing the human element to, to the conversations that you have with your clients and 
let's say an organization wanted to adopt everything and say, we're, we're open, we're here, let us, you know, we, we want to be an AI running machine. How do you suggest once everything is implemented and running or that it becomes part of the everyday use of the organization, that the, the people adopt it and that they are, they're able to get up to speed with it? I mean, you have to look at this as probably the greatest change management exercise in our entire lifetimes. Because everything else before rolled out over years or decades, everything else was very narrow solutions. And this touches every role in the enterprise or in the business. Um, it's a completely new technology with new terms and ways of working. It's a massive change management exercise. So we think of this as creating great capabilities jointly sort of with the business and with IT. But then those people become the champions on the new way of working. And I think that's the way to think of this. It's a new way of working which brings AI and people together to do a workflow. So getting people comfortable with that, knowing its strengths and limitations, being able to imagine even better ways of working. So we run a, we run a, a program across an entire workforce to help people train up. We give them tools like a private version of, of, of ChatGPT so people can begin to experience and their ideas for use cases are getting more advanced all the time. And that's what you really want. You want the ideas coming from the people who actually do work and because they are thinking, oh, I could do this better. I could do it in one-tenth of time. And they bring the best ideas because they're the people who actually do the work today. Makes complete sense. Uh, it's a bit like I, I always use soccer, football as an analogy, but the referees have never played the game, right? So you should get the players who actually understand the rules of engagement to set up what those should look like fundamentally. Are you implying that players become the best coaches and referees? <laughs> I don't know enough about sports to, to go with yeah, that. Yeah, I'm certainly <laughs> saying that they should be involved in the laws. That's for sure. Laws of the game. That is for sure. You know, if, I, if someone came along in your organization and started telling the person who's done this job how to build something, grow something, and they have never done it before themselves, it's quite hard to have the credibility or even the nuance know-how as to as to what to, to put into place. I also think it's like, in a lot of ways, like the technology doesn't work right now. And what I mean by that is like, if the average user comes to ChatGPT and says like, you know, write a blog post about, you know, our newest product, right? Or, and you put that information in it's not gonna be a good blog post. Like you wouldn't want to put that on your website. It's not like, right. The writing's not yours. If you say, Hey, respond to this email and you click send the person who gets it and like this person just wrote a chat GPT email and just sends to me, right? Like it doesn't actually sound like you. And so I think we're actually such in the first ending here where, you know, it still takes this level of a lot of manipulation and involvement and implementation to get it to where you're actually getting, you know, good output and things like that. And so the way that we really get you know, a lot of adoption is that the tools and the applications we interact with should work much better on the first try, right? There shouldn't have to be this level of engagement from the average user to have to prompt engineer it in the perfect way and all of that, right? Um, these, the way we interact with this technology should work the way we want it to because, we've, because the products have been built in a way that they work out of the box for a specific organization. And so I think a lot of what's going to happen over the next you know, years, there's a focus on that customization. It's a focus on bringing in your data, customizing it specifically to a business. Uh, that's going to be even more critical because 99% of users will just need it to work out of the box. And it's going to come down to how well we can set these things up in organizations. We've given examples where we show people how to get a great output. And they're like, well, you did all that work to get the great output. If that's the work, where's the savings? And I think to Justin's point, once you, and the right word is to kind of shape it to your business, provide that advanced prompting, provide the examples through embeddings, 
package that so an end user doesn't have to know all that stuff. Now you're providing a capability. You're teaching it capabilities that are part of the way that you work in your way with your data. Once you have that, it's incredibly productive and also significantly more accurate for the output. Then people build trust with it because it's producing really good results. We um, we taught it how to respond to RFPs, to proposals. And that took a while. When we first did it, it was a lot of prompts, a lot of iterations. But when we refined it, we got it down to a package thing, a, a canned set of prompts, canned set of examples. And we took something that took 12 days down to two days. It was a, a massive savings and it was better quality because you know all the language and spelling and grammar, we even pre-checked it for legal terms. Like it was just better, but it took us a while to refine it. And then we refined it, we packaged it. And the end users don't have to know how they did that. They just have to know how to call it. Just a quick pause to the podcast to share with you a charity very close to our hearts, Prevent Breast Cancer, who are just incredibly passionate about stopping the disease before it starts. Prevent Breast Cancer promote healthier lifestyles, screening and early diagnosis. They make sure 100% of their research funding is focused on preventing breast cancer for future generations. They're the only UK charity entirely dedicated to the prediction and prevention of breast cancer. They're right at the front line in the fight against the disease. And we are right behind them. And we talked about larger enterprise and their adoption, but also, uh, I suppose, SMBs that have ambition and who are looking to grow and scale. I think the organizations generally, right, um, they have different levels of ambition. So they want to get to a certain size or they have massive ambitions to grow into a huge enterprise themselves, potentially at some point down the line. And these things normally take a certain period of time. We're just talking about how AI is augmenting the speed of things and the pace of things and the growth. that, that uh, and, and therefore, if a company is trying to grow at a certain pace, but but with AI now being able to do it quicker, is there anything that, that you suggest that they adopt immediately or is it, is it all just part of the wider AI conversation around what businesses should be doing? Yeah, I think, I mean, like, I think, like I said, I think SMBs like in this exact moment are at a disadvantage, right? Because I just don't think they have, you know, they don't have the spending power to custom build these things. And that's where the real power is. Like when you custom build and you shape it, like Brett said, to your organization, that's where the enterprises are the advantage right now. You know, they're taking the large language model and they're making it their own, right? They're they're customizing it to their needs and specifics. So, I mean, there's clearly, you know, a need in the market of, you know, a solution that allows for, you know, mid-market SMB companies that don't have enterprise scale to be able to manipulate these into, you know, the, the exact uh, necessities of their business. So in a year, things are going to look very different. Those are going to exist. You know, hopefully Cassidy will be one of them that is, is making an impact. But I think, you know, my advice that I generally give is really just developing the sort of AI intuition. So I, I, I think people still use ChatGPT. They still use the tools that are out there because that's the only way you'll find out about the latest tool and the latest, you know, application and business solution that actually works for your business. Um, that being said, I would come into it with a realistic approach, right? ChatGPT writing your emails when you're interacting with just a large language model, it's, it's not going to happen in that perfect way right now. And so you think about moving at the rate of practical AI and that right now for SMBs, sure, they could probably get, you know, a 10% or 20% boost in a, you know, automation today based off of just the large language model. 
But in a year from now, when you do have the tools accessible to you that are shaped and custom to your needs and your organization, then it moves from 10, 20% to 40, 50. And we just keep moving to that place where uh, it, it slowly allows for more automation. And I think that's the way I think about it from the SMB mid-market type of you know size of company. A little different for enterprises, I think. Yeah, I, I really agree with your point. I, if we were, you have to think of it in your business model design, even as a small business or a startup, to recognize that this is coming because it changes the way you think about how you staff up and grow. So there's certain roles that are always constrained. You never have enough of them. Some of those roles could also be done by AI. So if you can be planning for that, you can be looking for solutions that might help you scale those things. Customer service, you could go hire 50 people and train them all up and do it, or five people and a lot of AI to handle that and handle an almost infinite scale. So I think you have to look at where the scaling levers are different. I'm intrigued, for example, by the fact that you know you could write individual emails to your customers or a generic email to all customers, but the, the marginal, the incremental cost of writing a personalized email is dropping to nearly zero. I can provide a little bit of context about you, Rob, and the general email I would have sent, and now the email is going to be personalized to you. And the more context I can provide, the more personalized it could be. And the cost of doing that is almost nothing. And suddenly this small business sounds like a high touch personalized business. That's a really cool attribute that if you build into your business model now, knowing that a year from now, this is going to be much easier to do. You start thinking ahead. Where are you going? How is this going to help you scale? How can your small business act like a large business in sort of the key areas that matter? Yeah, I love that. It certainly brings us to what the future is going to look like. So you talk about a year down the line, Justin, and beyond that as well. What is that potentially going to look like? What's the entry bar here for organizations as we push into the future? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the power of AI really comes to the ability for it to adapt. And I think we keep bringing up like, you know, the ability for it to shape to an organization. And so like a year from now, I just think that this idea that you interact with just ChatGPT. And it's just this large language model that has no context of your business and is not customized to your workflows. It's not ingrained in those workflows that your employees are doing. Like We're going to be moving away from that. The focus will be all around how do you build AI solutions that are ridiculously custom to your business? And there's lots of different approaches to get there, right? You know, custom building and deeply embedding, but there's also the need for you know, solutions that allow for people to set that up. Um, but you know, I think we're, it, it's, it's going to be an interesting time, right? In the next year, we're also going to see multiple large language models, just as powerful as GPT-4, right? And so the landscape is going to change. Um, we're really in the first inning here. I think people still just immediately equate AI with just chat GPT and they, they don't really know what else is out there. And I think a lot of that is going to change and people are going to realize, you know, how diverse this landscape is and real the really the power from a business solution perspective because i actually don't think we're there yet um i think we're still on the hey this is pretty cool it can write a poem phase you know so um that's where i think the year what happens over the next year yeah i i find it amazing that we're just seeing the glimmer of where this actually shapes up and this isn't hyperbole like this is it's happening underneath us most people are consuming it behind the curve but the stuff that we can see, you know, um, I, Justin, I know you've talked a lot about Code Interpreter. I'm fascinated by the ability to do really structured data analytics with generative AI. Is, it's incredible. Its ability to reason, um, some of the early work on agents, 
there's a lot of stuff coming. And not to mention that the next wave of models coming out from all the major platforms are going to be five times larger than the ones we're already dealing with. And so you get this wider set of capability, lower incremental cost of using it because the costs are dropping for consumption. And you get these new capabilities, um, higher degrees of, of autonomy, greater ability to do math and complex reasoning. I get that there's kind of this, I do feel there's a gap between the people who are still just typing in a prompt window versus the people who are beginning to explore some of the most advanced capabilities. We should be excited though that it's, I think it's the job of all of us and other businesses to make it easier to consume those advanced capabilities. So as long as we're operating on those and then packaging them and making it easier to consume, I think there's a tremendous upside for productivity and and benefit, you know, benefits for for people. I just think are un- overwhelming. It's really exciting. Yeah, and to that point, you know, you guys are in this every day, right? You you're the experts in it. Let's call me someone that talks around the subject and and I'll even put myself into the layman category, which is fine, but the user. And therefore, I'd imagine that through every piece of software or everything that we purchase as we go into the next five, 10 years, that AI will fundamentally be infused within that. And therefore, we'll have no choice really, but to be adopting whatever form of AI is going to augment whatever it is that we're doing, I assume. Are we even going to notice a few years from now that that's happening? Right. We were having a conversation over, over coffee today with a group of people, and we realized that in the just in the last nine months, students graduated college because of ChatGPT. They used it to do their work. They got better at their work. Then they used it to apply for jobs by refining their resume. And now they're using it to prep for interviews by getting all the questions ahead of time. From So they're coming in AI ready, and that only happened in a few months. So now you have this, everyone everyone's hired in the last you know few months is sort of AI ready, and they're going to be an increasing part of the workforce. The same time capabilities is the way that that uh, Justin described are going to be packaged better and easier to consume, and pretty soon it's just you know half of the workforce is AI. It's just it just happens, but I think it's we have to open up those doors by identifying and, and delivering use cases that are easy to consume, and not expect everyone to be an AI expert, but they have to be AI aware so they know how to use it effectively and comfortably, and also to know where it's good and what it's not. Yeah, I think that. That's absolutely brilliant. And I completely agree. If it's done in a few months, what's a few years going to look like? Justin, Cassidy connects with tools like Zendex and Slack and Notion for employee workflow, right? It's something I picked up from what you guys do. And the employee side of things is something that's really close to my heart with what I do for a living. What will artificial intelligence bring as far as the employee experience look like? I'm not asking for crystal ball stuff, right? But just what's in your mind as far as what that might look like? Yeah, I mean, our vision with with Cassidy and what we were talking about is like, how do we bring that same level of the ability to shape and customize these large language models to smaller businesses, uh, accessible to any business in the same way that, you know, everything Brett is doing with larger companies and enterprises that have the resources uh, to custom build this and invest all that because, you know, right now for SMBs that they don't have the ability to do that. And so, you know, our vision is really hey, we want to significantly automate some of these, you know, complex workflows that exist in a business responding to RFPs, um, like as Brett said earlier, or even like the the end-to-end experience as a customer service representative. Um, How do we automate that business specific, you know, that business function specifically for each individual business? So I think the way that employees are impacted, it's very much these tedious monotonous sort of workflows that have existed in a business for a long time 
can now just be automated end to end, right? That whole experience of like constantly monitoring the customer inquiry box and seeing what people are asking and watching for bug reports and watching for commonly asked questions. We don't actually need a user, you know, in Zendesk all day monitoring that and replying. That can be automated. But also having an assistant that is intelligent enough to go, I don't know the answer to this. Let me let me Slack message, you know, our head of customer success and ask the question because I don't know the answer to it. Right. And so for employees, they can focus on the things that, you know, they didn't even maybe even really realize that they could be focusing their attention to, right? These autonomous, you know, agents essentially can be running the business in a lot of ways. And um, we want to bring that power to every business, you know, not necessarily just the large enterprises that can afford to really invest the resources into it. That's a phenomenal example. I was working with a company where they had these, these very experienced people, each with 25 years of experience, and they're handling every day this inbound queue of things they have to look at. A thousand of them come in every day and they hate looking at them. So when we were talking about how they do it so we could figure out how Jenny and I might be able to offload the work, I asked one of the, one of the guys, do you mind that we're training AI to do what you do? He said, no. He goes, I hate doing that. I was hired and trained for 25 years to do this advanced critical thinking, but I have to go through all these logs and service records and stuff every day just to keep up. If it can handle that and offload a giant chunk of those, I can spend my time doing what I was really trained on. And you think about it, all that training and all that experience cost a lot of money. So his time is insanely valuable. And the marginal cost of doing those, reading those logs and stuff is really small. So now you also took a high value person, made them happier and took the lower value work and put it on a system that can do it more cheaply. It was a win-win. They were very happy. I can only imagine it's a generational thing, isn't it? That if we went back a couple of generations and how they used to do things, even back to fax machines and then obviously before then, but it's, I'm thinking of a, a comedy show uh, we've all heard of monty python where there's a sketch where they talk about well you thought you had it bad back in my day we had to lick the roads and you know and do things and, and they obviously exaggerate massively but in 10 years time the examples of what the next generation are going to not believe the way that things worked even now but 10 years ago is going to be quite quite significant probably more significant than any any generational gap we've had thus far I saw such a cool quote the other day on social media. It just said, the AI you're working with today is the worst one you're ever going to work with for the rest of your life because it's getting better so quickly. And we're going to look back on these days and kind of smile at how simplistic it appears, even though today it doesn't feel simplistic because it's a giant leap from where we were. But it is progressing and and we will get used to it and also learn how to take advantage of it and drive new business models and new ways of working that I think are going to be exciting. Just before we kind of close off, Justin, I'm always intrigued. I love watching your social media reels. They're really engaging and they're really informative and they're fun. As someone that's watching it, I, I watch them and I might scroll through your reels and I might think, oh, that's interesting and that's interesting. How do you suggest that one as maybe someone who's running a business or someone who's not just watching stuff, how do they engage properly? How do they utilize the advice that you're giving? Have you got any ideas around that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I honestly, I... I really also emphasize like to not put the pressure, you know, on yourself. I think there's a lot of businesses that like the FOMO is so intense that they're like, oh, I think I'm missing out and all that. I think, I mean, my goal with the content generally is, I think there's, there's two ways that I think about how I could sort of help in the AI revolution. It's I want to build products that make it easier to make AI accessible. And I want to educate as many people as I can about AI. And so 
in the content realm, my goal with it is really just, hey, here are the things you need to learn in 60 seconds, right? Here's these short bites of knowledge. And I think those, because most people, they have to live their regular life. Like AI is going quick, but they ha- they've had this job for 20 years. They are focused on the specific industry that they work in. But how can I just provide them these quick hits of, oh, wow, this is the latest of what's going on. Or here's how I should start thinking about it. Because I think when you have quick 60 second hits that come up on your feed a couple times a week, those add up over time. And people in their, their regular jobs, it starts to kind of sink into their mentality. They start to understand, oh, here's something I could do with, with AI or you know, here's here's how I think my job is going to change based off of this quick 60 second TikTok. It lets them form their own ideas. So I think it's like, I don't expect businesses to, you know, rewrite everything from a 60 second Instagram reel they see. Uh, but it's more like, how can we, you know, create a little spark every day? So there are just taking at least 60 seconds to think about where does AI go from here? How does it impact me? And what can I do about it? Um, and so that's really, I think the the takeaway is uh, for, from my content is uh, it's just pretty practical, right? Just some quick hits. It's really impactful to me, Justin. I enjoy uh, watching as well. And I think you, you you pick these very specific points that people need to understand, keep it packaged to that single point, and then people can consume it. And I do agree that ag- in aggregate, it builds up an understanding. I think this is such an advanced technology that if you wanted to spend the time explaining it technically, you could do that endlessly, but it would it it goes right over people. But I think making it relatable into these sort of tangible things to help you either envision the future or take practical steps is it's a it's a critical thing in the market right now. There are too many people using all the biggest words, but there's some very simple concepts you can apply to make yourself more productive. I you asked about the user experience, Rob. I, I think this makes the users, the ones who really know how to use it, they're like superheroes. They can work 50% faster than everyone else. It's an incredible thing when you know how to do it, but you have to kind of get these bite-sized thoughts and start to imagine it from your own perspective and your own role. Both of you love what you're talking about. You love these conversations and the work that, Brett, you're doing at PwC with your clients and Justin, yourself at Cassidy. What we need to, I suppose, appreciate actually is how much you're educating all of us with the work and the time that you're putting into things like this. And these conversations, this last 30 minutes, I've learned a load. Every time we talk, Brett, I, I get educated on something that I don't know enough about. And, and it's the same with you, Justin, all the, the social media reels and, and all the time that you spend doing that, that is fundamentally educating all, all the people that don't quite know about it yet. And for that, I'd like to thank you both. But I'd like to also thank you very much indeed for your time here today. It's been absolutely wonderful, really educational, really engaging. And I'd like to thank you all both so much. Thank you, Rob. And, and yeah, Justin, I really enjoyed doing this with you. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for, thanks for having us, Rob. Pleasure. Cheers, guys. Thank you for listening to the Search and Succeed podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We'll see you on the next one.